you 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 got the vaccination? Yeah. Are, are you are you okay? I mean, you seem no, it works. Or you you know, or or or, or the mom and dad, or 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 or, or the neighbor, or when you go to church, or when you're you know, no, I, I I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. If if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there were there's a man on the moon or whatever you know something or you know whether those aliens are here or not you know who are the people they talk to beyond the kids who love talking about it what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome to Storytime with Dave. I am your host, Dave. You know, I couldn't even believe when I was thinking about it that I never even brought up Joe Biden's town hall. <laughs> it was so funny. It was really good from an entertainment standpoint. Otherwise concerning but you know only if you were under the impression that the president does actually run the country then it would be concerning but when you find out who really runs the country it's more concerning than having a senile president in fact it might even be better to have a senile president who doesn't know what's going on because then it's hard to control someone who's completely lost their mind wouldn't you say and maybe for the people who like Trump a lot, they can find similar things about Biden that they could like. He's a loose cannon. You never know what's going to come out of this guy's mouth. It's amazing. And I don't know. I'm just thinking uh, maybe it's not so bad. That was just one answer. And he had like five answers that were just really, they were really something. The best one, and I can't find it on YouTube. Big surprise. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to suppress it, but he's talking to Don Lemon about the vaccine, I think. You can't even tell what he's talking about. It's really wild. Let me see if I can find it. Give me a minute. Hold on. Okay, I found it. Here, let's listen to it. I don't know. Have you guys been paying attention? I don't really... Um... I don't actually watch this stuff. It would be so hard to watch it. To watch Don Lemon and Joe Biden at a town hall. I don't think anyone really watched it. I think the ratings were even worse than the Olympic ratings. We could talk about the Olympics. That's hard to watch. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's listen to this because it's fun and horrible. That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is in fact, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Well, that means you mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah. 
Jesus, man, that's hilarious. I mean, it's really bad, but it's really funny. It, someone made the observation that I now can't, like, unsee, kind of, that um, it sounds like when Biden gives these answers, it sounds like someone took a bunch of different, it sounds like it's chopped up, like spliced together, like someone's trolling and they took a bunch of little clips of Biden stammering and then put them all together because he'll, he'll, it's remarkable. I mean, it, like you can't believe it. I mean, it's, well, you can, if you just look at it through the perspective that he is in, he's deep in dementia. He's deeply in it. And things are getting uh, worse for him, and it's sad. And uh, I don't even like it, really, and I feel bad for Joe Biden, honestly. Like I said, the president is a figurehead who really doesn't have that much power and they don't write any of the executive orders. They just get them from corporations or whoever. And, um, it depends on who it is. I mean, obviously you look at a guy like Biden and it's like, okay, the degree to which they're a complete puppet is pretty evident in their level of competence. And so when you could look at a guy like Obama, you're like, okay, he's a figurehead and he's a controlled puppet, but he's more in control than most presidents because he's very smart, well-spoken, popular. Biden doesn't have any of that. And so he is really just, I mean, he's just a body, basically. He's just a body and some of a brain, whatever's left. So he's really not doing anything. And, um, you know, as I've said before, Barack Obama, I got to find this clip. I should have been more prepared with these clips. Hold on. Okay, I found the clip. And here's basically everything you need to know. Well, no, it's not. But it'll give you um, some deep insight into what's going on. And a lot of the time, these people, especially like the occult people, which I think that Barry probably is an occult person. He's probably involved in all this Satanism that Hillary Clinton's involved in. Hillary Clinton's the easiest. You know, remember that picture of, remember when Mitch McConnell, like his hands were, for some reason, they were like gray or brown? Do you remember that? You can look that up. I don't know what was going on. Well, I know now he's a lizard person. It's very clear to me. And he just wasn't fully incorporating himself into his human form. And he missed his hands. And I know that that sounds funny and you think that I'm joking. And I might be, but I might not be at the same time. Look at his hands. Very lizard-like. So when you talk about the existence of lizard people and, uh, and, then, and then probably a lot of them are politicians because that would just be a good way to go about controlling the human population. But, you know, more likely they'd also be in the corporate sphere anyway what am i talking about now look obama's in he's in that inner circle and whatever he ascended from just being simply a figurehead to he proved himself very useful i think to these elite circles and um you know, we could do a deep dive on Obama sometime, but haven't we done a little bit? I mean, obviously he's married to a man or a former man. We know that. Um, 
listen to this clip. This is this is wild. I mean, oh, what I was gonna say is a lot of the times they'll just tell you straight up, but they'll make it seem like a joke, which is uh, I kind of do that too, but I do it in a way that I try to expose the lizards for what they are. But they do it in a way where they're kind of telling you about what's going on and they pretend they're joking. Now this is Barack when he's on Stephen Colbert's, Stephen Colbert's interviewing him. I don't remember when it was. It was after Barack was done being president. It was probably pretty recent. This is after Stephen Colbert was finished being funny which was a few years ago, really when Trump got elected and Stephen Colbert moved over to whatever it is, CBS, I don't know, the late night show. Before that, he was funny. And then he became uh, just one of these horrible late night people on par with Jimmy Kimmel, which is saying a lot. Okay, let's listen to Barack talk about this. Hang on a second. I, I, I said this before. I, I, I uh, People would ask me, Knowing what you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had, a, I had a, a stand in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm -hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was. Uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, wow. I, I'd be fine with that because I found the work fascinating. Um, I mean, I write about the the, the uh, even in, in my on my worst days, I found puzzling out you know these big, complicated, difficult issues, especially if you were working with some great people, to be uh, uh, professionally really satisfying. Okay, so. Um... You know, that's what's going on, though. This is Barack Obama's third term that we're in right now, which <laughs> is pretty wild, um, but not that much. Uh, and it, I, I'm sorry I got an email in the middle of that. It's not work-related. I wouldn't be recording a podcast during work. I'm on my computer right now, of course. You can hear the clicking and stuff. And that allows us to get the quotes, I mean, uh, the, the clips. You know, you know, here's another thing. Wait, let's listen back to this one second, because this is what I, I don't even get this. Let's go back to Biden. Look here, struggling. It's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. First of all, what is solicitous? Is that he's saying I'm not being solicitous. I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. I had to look it up. And it's from solicitude, which is the state of being concerned and anxious or attentive care and protectiveness. So I don't know why he's saying that. But then the other thing is he's telling Don Lemon that he appreciates how he's always upfront about things. Don Lemon, who works for CNN, he's saying, I appreciate how you're always upfront about things. If that is not the most blatant example of failing mental facilities, then I don't know what is. Speaking of failing mental facilities and menticide, I got that book by Juiced Mirlu. I got two books by him. I'm going to read you guys quotes from them when I, when I finish reading them. 
That was a sip of water. I wanted to do one more Biden clip that I have here. I don't want it to be too long. This is a seven minute clip, but there's just one part that I heard the other day that I wanted to talk about. Let's see. When do you think this pandemic is, I mean, when are we, when's it going to be done? When are we going to get back to normal? Well, you know, uh, all the experts, uh, all the committee that I put together with the leading uh, researchers in the world in the United States are on this committee of mine, uh, headed by Dr. Fauci and others. Uh, um, they tell me, be careful not to predict things that you don't know for certain what's going to happen because then. That's amazing. I mean, okay, this isn't even the clip that I meant to bring up, but this this works. Okay. Don't the experts are saying don't make predictions about things that you don't know are going to happen. Okay, let's rewind back to the beginning of things in February of 2020 or March of 2020 when they're out there making predictions about how three to what what were they even saying? They said over 3 million Americans are going to die from COVID. So now the experts are saying, no, wait, no, now don't make predictions. That's not scientific. We don't do that. We're the experts. Be careful about making predictions unless those predictions make everyone terrified. In that case, please engage in making predictions. If you're going to make a prediction, it should at the very least involve you projecting lots of people dying based on projections that I don't even know how they generate them. Worst case scenario projections. You can talk about that kind of prediction. But if you're talking about predicting when things might go back to normal and people can live their lives again, well, that's kind of positive. That brings people hope. Let's not do that. It doesn't scare people. Why would you want to project into the future and make predictions that don't scare people? The whole point of predictions, statistics, is to scare people so they'll be more compliant. And if you know anything about Americans, it's that they love complying. Maybe not as much as the Canadians or the Australians or even the Brits, but darn it, they do love their compliance. And they love wearing that mask, even though it doesn't work. Let's hear what else Joe has to say here. Because this is not the clip that I wanted, but... Maybe we can, uh, maybe there's some good stuff in here. We're already off to a hot start with this. All right. You'll be held accountable. I get that. But let me tell you what I think based on all that I've learned and all that I've studied and all that I think that I know. It's fairly, it's a high probability that the vaccinations that are available today and the new one, Johnson & Johnson, God willing, will prove to be useful, that with those vaccinations, the ability to continue to spread the disease is going to diminish considerably because of what they call herd immunity. And now... Okay, I just realized that this is from back in February 16th of 2021. So it's like five months ago or six months ago. <laughs> now, this is this will be useful in its own way, though, because now we're going to hear what they were saying in February when they were under the impression that the vaccines were going to work. 
However, what he's saying now doesn't even appear to be in line with what they were even saying at the beginning. Because at the, even at the beginning, I think they were, I think they kind of knew, the companies knew that the vaccines were not going to work stopping the spread. Although, I don't know, the, the, who even knows? The information has changed so much and so drastically over time that who remembers what they, what the actual companies themselves were saying I mean, I always thought that even at the beginning, because I remember at the beginning being like, well, that doesn't sound like a vaccine because people were saying like, oh, no, even if you get the vaccine, you're still going to be able to spread it. You just won't get that sick. And then I remember thinking, even back then being like, well, that doesn't sound like a vaccine, like what a vaccine is supposed to do. I thought that vaccines were supposed to make it so you don't get it. Although I guess the flu shot is the exception. But then the way they explain that is no, you're, you're protected from a strain of the flu, but you might get a different strain of the flu. That's usually what they would say for the flu shot. But those, those are notoriously bad and ineffective. And so here's Joe saying he thinks, I mean, he's very careful in, in speaking like a lawyer, basically, where he could be like, well, no, I just said, I think that. But obviously we're, we're not, I mean, I'm just telling you about the guy has dementia and he's senile. So I guess I can't expect any degree of certainty for someone who's dealing with that. So again, I'm not mad at Joe. I'm mad at Barack for forcing Joe to be president. And then Joe's just going to play along with this because he doesn't know how to think. But it's not that he doesn't know how to think. Maybe it's just that he can't anymore. Which is sad. If Joe Biden was my grandfather, I would hate Barack Obama so much. And if I was someone who like supported Joe Biden, I would I would hate Barack Obama so much for forcing him to do this. Okay, let's continue. Maybe we'll we'll finish this up and then we'll go talk about other things. Others saying somewhere around 70% of the people have to constitute some people said 50, 6, but a significant number and then also notice that he just said 70% herd immunity. Again, this is February. Um, basically, I know what's going on in Australia right now. What's going on in Cindy? C- Cindy. What's going on in Cindy, Australia? It's Sydney. But I said Cindy, which is not that bad of a... All things considered, that's pretty understandable, right? So over there in Cindy, Australia... C-I-N-D-Y, Australia. They're entering another six-week lockdown. This is happening now. And they're bringing in the military to help enforce the lockdown. I saw a video. A guy was getting arrested for doing yoga in the park. Okay? This is what's going on in Australia. This is why I'm telling you, I've been telling you that Australia has fallen. And perhaps what we're seeing in Australia is, is a sign of things to come for us, but hopefully not. And hopefully they're just, we just got to, We just got to accept the loss of a brethren country, a fellow English-speaking country. I mean, you know, there's Australia, United States, New Zealand, Ireland, um, England, right? Like a few others. Canada, of course. They're dropping like flies, and uh, Australia appears to be fully like it's done, okay? It's over for Australia, which is really sad, Um, but... You got to do something, man. If people are getting arrested for doing yoga in the park, then you got to start having violent riots. If anyone is listening from Australia, I encourage you to organize people and to become violent. 
Okay? But obviously it's a comedy podcast. But you know what I'm saying here. So here's Joe saying um, 70%. Oh, yeah, but anyway, so they said, but then in Australia, they're saying, no, we're going to do the six-week lockdown, and it's only going to be lifted once we have 80% vaccinated. Because their criteria is that 80% of the population has to be vaccinated to get herd immunity, and natural immunity doesn't count, right? And we, we've obviously, we've covered that. I mean, come on, that's been going on. That, that's... That remains one of the uh, most frustrating aspects of all of it is the fact that natural immunity isn't, it doesn't exist anymore. And the only way you can get immunity is by getting uh, weak immunity that lasts six months, if at all, where you can still get the virus and you can still spread the virus and you can still die from the virus. But maybe there's a chance you won't die Less than if you just got the virus, maybe. But depending on your age, maybe it has makes no difference at all. Because if you're talking about how the virus dramatically reduces hospitalization and death, well, what about people under 50 who already didn't get hospitalized and didn't die? Is it dramatically reduced for them? Does it, it probably increases, probably all you're doing if you're under 50 by getting the vaccine is putting yourself at risk of getting an adverse reaction from the vaccine. That's all you're doing. Because you can still get COVID if that's what you were so worried about, getting it. Even though you can't die from it, you're worried about long-term risks from it. Well, you can still get it with getting the vaccine. So all you did, under 50 years old, getting the vaccine, the only thing you did was put yourself at risk of an adverse reaction from the vaccine. That's it. That's all you did. Because that vaccine, I mean, they're admi- they've admitted it. They're, they're, it's, dude, I mean, come on. They admitted it. It doesn't stop the spread of the virus. And in fact, it might increase the spread of the virus right after you get vaccinated because they're like, oh, it's all up in your nose and shit. So if you're under 50, I mean, look, if you got duped or you got pressured into it, that sucks. I'm just telling you, all that was accomplished by doing that is that maybe now you'll get, maybe now you'll get affected negatively by the vaccine. Or you won't, and then you'll just be the way that you were before, and you just got injected with something weird. And uh, I hope that that is the case for all of you who did get it. I hope you don't actually get I hope there's no actual long-term effects. It's just that we don't know. Okay, but you can still get COVID. So if the argument was like, because I remember I was doing comedy one night, and I said, um, I forget what I said, but uh, someone in the audience was like, well, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID yet. And I said, uh, or no, 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 I I was talking about the vaccine. And I said, why would you get the vaccine? And someone yelled at, well, we don't know the long-term effects yet. They were referring to COVID. And I said, yes, exactly. We don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine yet. It was just like, it's just like, uh, they're going to apply that logic to COVID. And you could just as easily apply it to the vaccine. But they, I don't understand how they don't get that. They're going, well, well, there's all the COVID long hauler. There's no such thing as COVID long hauler. That's a made up thing. And <clears throat> I don't know why. I mean, some of it is psychosomatic. Like people are actually convincing themselves that they are sick for a long period of time. People do that. It's not, this is not new to COVID. People can make themselves sick. Isn't that thing that like Eminem raps about 
in that one song, Cleaning Out My Closet, Munchausen Syndrome or whatever it's called, when your like parent convinces you that you're sick so they could take care of you, it's a weird thing. But that's not the only thing. I mean, you can make yourself sick. Like one thing I've done that makes me less sick, less frequently, I'm telling you this works. I'm just telling you straight up that this works. You could think it's crazy or you could think it's not crazy, but it works straight up. It'll be at night and you think, I always thought to myself when I was like, it was it was getting late and I would start coming down with something. Like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel uh, feverish and I'm starting to get a scratchy throat and tomorrow I'm gonna be sick. It was like that form of thinking, that mentality. I'd be like, tomorrow I'm gonna be sick. And now what I do is like, if I start feeling sick at night, then before I go to sleep, I'll just take vitamins and stuff. And then right before bed, I'll just go, okay, I've, I've fixed it. I'm not going to be sick tomorrow. And most of the time that works. And I just wake up and I'm just not sick anymore. You got to take the vitamins and shit, but you also got to think to yourself like, all right, this is just going to be tonight. I'm just feeling a little off tonight and I'm going to sleep and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be better. And honestly, most of the time it works. So just do that. Make yourself better with your brain. You don't need, um, Symptom management. Stop taking Mucinex, retard. Sorry. Okay. Um, should we continue with the Joe Biden? Uh, should we? Let's see if there's just a little bit more. I mean, you know, you can listen to these things and then you think of things to talk about. And then also the fact that this is older and from February of 2021. It'll be interesting to see what else they were saying at this time, just five and a half months ago. Have to be in a position where they are they have been vaccinated and or they've been through it and have antibodies and have antibodies. Oh, so it does count. So here he is saying 70% of the population to form to create herd immunity. And that can include people who had the virus and got over it. But that that doesn't count anymore. This is this is six month old Joe Biden. This is six months ago, Joe Biden. This is six months ago, Joe. And six months ago, Joe, no longer, he doesn't, current Joe doesn't believe any of these things anymore. These are all lies. So why is this video still on YouTube? I don't know, because it's clearly misinformation. And Joe Biden, six month old, six month ago, Joe, is helping me misinform my audience right now. So thank you, Joe. Um, and so if that works that way, as my mother would say, with the grace of God and the goodwill of the neighbors, that by next Christmas, I think we'll be in a very different circumstance, God willing, than we are today. I think a year from now, when it's 22 below zero here, um, no, a year from now, I think that there'll be significantly fewer people having to be socially distanced, have to wear a mask, etc. But we don't know. This is crazy. I think he's saying significantly fewer, but we don't know in a year. I mean, this is just, I can't believe that we're so, it's so crazy. We're so, we so deserve this. Like, if you become so weak as a society, then you kind of deserve to be pushed around. You have to stand up for yourself. It's like a bully. This is the analogy, man. I'm telling you, we're being bullied by the state and we're, and then we're doing nothing about it. And some of us like it. 
like in the way that a cuck likes watching his wife get fucked. I always say, I always have to bring up the cuck um, analogy, but when you're in a nation of cucks, and many are literal cucks, you have to acknowledge that as being a factor, at the very least. You have to acknowledge it as a factor, at least. If a man is willing to watch his woman get fucked by other men, then it speaks volumes about the type of man that he is. And if you have a society consisting of a large percentage of these types of men, it's going to speak volumes about the society. And so many of us, many of us are enjoying this. But then at the same time, it's like those of us who don't enjoy it, we're just not doing anything about it. And so it's like when you're getting bullied in school when you're a kid. And who's the kid that can overcome the bully? The one who just snaps one day and like starts attacking the bully. And even if it doesn't work, that bully will respect you more for standing up for yourself. But our leaders, well, I, I hate calling them leaders. Our rulers, they have zero regard and zero respect for us. And when we don't stand up for ourselves, then they just think it's funnier. And they just have more fun with it. I mean, there've got to be, I would love to be in one of those meetings just laughing at the slaves. I would love to be in one of those meetings. I mean, look, there's a part of me within me, perhaps it's within you as well. And I'm a bit of a aspiring megalomaniac and I could have gone down that route. I could have been a politician if I had, if I had so chosen. And I, it's because I wouldn't be able to sell my soul. But... Maybe I could have. Maybe at the time I could have. And it was something I was seriously considering. A political career. I was really considering doing that. But then it would be, it would be, I wouldn't be able to deal with all the control. Like I would have no problem manipulating the masses. You know, I've been pretty open about that. I'm a, I would love to be a dictator. Things, things of that nature. It would be fun for me. I would enjoy it. But I also like um, raging against the state. So I like doing both of those things. It would be hard for me to take marching orders from the people above and being a puppet myself. That's what would bother me. It wouldn't be the manipulating and lying to the masses part that would bother me so much. It would be the taking orders from people above me. That's what would bother me. But I would love to be in one of these meetings where we laugh at the slaves. Invite me. I want to be a Freemason. I want to be in a Masonic temple and feel at home. I want to go to Bohemian Grove and burn owl effigies. Why can't I go? It's not fair. I would have fun with it. I'm just saying. So because they don't invite me, now you've got a problem. And I'm going to be a problem for you until you do invite me. Okay? <clears throat> Let me just take a sip of water. I don't know why that sound keeps going because obviously I'm not I'm not uh, working right now. So I don't know why I'd be getting Microsoft Outlook emails. I'm not trying to be solicitous. And I'm not trying to be solicitous. Let's see. I'm, I think we're done. What, what do you say? I think we're done with that. I think we're done with that clip. I think we're done with Joe and we can move on. Um, here's an old tweet 
let's just go over these things from a while ago. This is something we'll, we'll do right now. We just did that that Biden video. Here's a here's something from the Independent from the end of February this year. It's from Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci said all all three vaccines are 100% effective against death and hospitalization. It's amazing. This was just a few months ago. And when the narrative falls apart, and here here's a here's what we have to acknowledge here. When the narrative falls apart, they become more reliant on fear-mongering than they even were before, which is remarkable because the degree of fear-mongering propaganda that we have been uh, undergoing for a year and a half has been, I think, largely to an extent that we've never even seen before. And I don't know if I had mentioned this, and perhaps I have, but it's like the evolution of propaganda over time. You could start it, I definitely did talk about this, but it's like, okay, quickly, it's like, it's World War One, and they would say, oh, the Germans are evil, and they're killing babies, but at the same time, it's like, what are you fearing? Something overseas, it's an actual thing, it's a physical, tangible, there are German soldiers, they're over there, and they're invading Belgium, and they're scary, and they're people, and they're over there, and then... Largely the same tactic used in World War II. And then, and then you move to um, communism and fear of communism and the Red Scare. And then it becomes like, oh, your neighbor could be a communist. You know? People you know could be communists secretly. People in the government might be communists secretly. And then the fear becomes a bit more pervasive. And then you move on to terrorism. And it's similar to communism in the sense that they're like, you always got to be on the lookout. There could be terrorists anywhere. And then that's more um, focused. And it's like, you see a guy wearing a turban, that might be a, he might, or you see a woman wearing a hijab, they might be terrorists. And then it's got that added element of hatred for a specific group, which is Muslims. And, um, and then there's like, you know, oh, do you see a suspicious package? It might be a bomb anywhere you are. And you see a backpack, it might be a bomb. You might die. And then there's that kind of fear-mongering. But this is a whole new level of fear-mongering because it's like everyone you know could potentially be infected and they might not even know it. And they could infect you or you might be infected and you might be able to infect someone you love and kill them. And then you're a fucking murderer because of your negligence and you better get this shot or you might be a fucking murderer, dude. You might kill your mom. You might kill your fucking grandma, dude. So this level of fear-mongering is unprecedented. I mean, well, it's not unprecedented. It's just that they haven't rolled it out in 100 years because the last time they did that was for... On this scale was the 1918 flu, so-called flu. Um, I guess they did a little bit with AIDS. They've always done it a little bit, but it's like, really, it's a full-blown... To the extent that they're doing it now is at least in our lifetimes, it's unprecedented. And so as the narrative continues to fall apart here, because what they're doing is they're making a really terrible marketing public relations error where they're turning vaccinated people against them. Because in reinstating this mask mandate and acknowledging that, well, we're worried because vaccinated people are, are contributing to the spread of the virus, 
What they're doing is undermining the efficacy of the vaccine and they're doing what the anti-vaxxers are doing, but they're not on the side of the anti-vaxxers. They already have the anti-vaxxers as enemies, which the anti-vaxxers are at least 30% of the country, perhaps more. So you've got this huge contingent of the population who is against you and who is your enemy. But now you've got these people who think who are pro-vaccine and they feel betrayed because the government said, just get the vaccine and things can go back to normal for you. But now the government's once again 180 and they're saying, no, never mind. You got the vaccine for nothing, actually. Put that mask back on, bitch, and watch your wife get fucked, okay? And these people are feeling betrayed. They said, no, you said that if I got the vaccine, I don't have to watch my wife get fucked anymore, and I don't have to wear a mask anymore. So what the fuck is this about? But in all seriousness, I'm seeing more and more of this. And uh, I mentioned on the last episode, but I'm continuing to see it, where people are going, so they've made a new contingent of enemies. And there's always going to be those people who are loyal to the state no matter what. And that's going to be like 30% of the population. It's like Scott Adams. And Scott Adams has become totally illegitimate, at least with regards to COVID. I don't know if you know who Scott Adams is, but he's like the Dilbert comic guy. And I still like him. He's just been so off on COVID. But as he said before, it's like one third of the population has no sense of humor. They don't know how jokes work, which is probably true. Maybe 25% to one third. And 25% to one-third of the population is always going to go with the government no matter what, even if things become horribly controversial. I mean, uh, what would the word be? Not controversial. If things become horribly contradictory. And um, they're, they're, I don't know, they're, they're just, they're always going to go along. And they love it. And they love it. And they love being able to tell pe- other people that they're wrong because they're not complying with the government. And they would gladly kill Jews if the government says so. Are we being honest? Yeah? Okay, then then let's accept that that's the truth. And there are people who are related to me, who are Jews, who would kill Jews if the government said so. They would round up Jews, or at least they'd call the government and be like, hey, listen, my neighbor's a Jew and they've been lying about it. Anonymous tip, my neighbor's a Jew. They would turn themselves in as Jews, okay? Obviously, you know, when I say they would have killed Jews, I mean, if they were Germans in the 40s and they weren't Jews, that's what they would be doing. And if they were in the Soviet Union, they would rat on their neighbors. And they say, my neighbor said Stalin isn't the greatest man who ever existed. He said Stalin is only the third greatest man who ever existed. So I would like him to be in the gulag now, please. That's who these people are. And, um... The really devout statists will say it was like 25 to 30% of the population, which is a lot. Maybe it's not that many. Maybe I'm... Anyway, as the narrative falls apart, which is what we're witnessing, which has been gratifying to watch, and it's been nice and hopeful and encouraging, and you realize that you always think to yourself, like, these people aren't that competent. They're not that smart. There's no way. You can't pull this off so effectively at a certain point people are gonna screw up i'll explain that in a second as these things happen they have to become more reliant on scare tactics because the agenda is just completely self-destructing and so here's a new york post article and you're gonna and i i 
maybe mention a different type of article that I saw. Yeah, I did on the last episode. I did. You remember the woman who was like dying? The doctor said, oh, I had this woman and she died. And before she died, all she was saying is, why didn't I get the vaccine? Why didn't I? Here's another one. I should have gotten the damn vaccine. Dad sends heartbreaking text before death. I'm just reading you the headline. But you're going to see more and more of this. Um, people dying, people in the ICU, people on ventilators, and their last words, their dying thoughts, I should have gotten the vaccine, I should have gotten it. Pfizer, I wouldn't have gotten the Moderna. Heartbreaking text message from dad says he deeply regrets not getting the Pfizer vaccine, although he's pretty okay with the fact that he didn't get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, since that one doesn't seem so great. I mean, it's clearly marketing, but it's also them covering their asses, and they're like, fuck, if we don't scare them more, then maybe their brains are going to start working again. God forbid they start thinking for themselves again. That's going to be a problem. We need to avoid that at all costs. So, we need to scare them more. How are we going to do that? Tell them people are dying and they're deeply regretting that they didn't get the vaccine. So I don't know if we've talked about the idea of like compartmentalization and how you could pull these things off on a grand scale. <laughs> and people explain this, lots of people explain this, and it's, it's a simple concept that appears to be complex on the outside, but then once you break it down, it's not as complicated as you would think. I don't remember if I explained this, but I remember I listened back to one of the episodes and I thought to myself, oh, I should have explained that because it would have been good to explain that. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but you know I do that. Let's say you start with five people and they're the inner circle. That's the beginning and they have all of the knowledge. They know what the agenda is. They know what the plan is. They know everything. They know all aspects of it and they're the ones kind of cooking up the scheme. Five people at the very top. Now here comes the compartmentalization thing. Each of those five people gets five people beneath them. And they tell those five people beneath them 50% of the plan. They don't tell them the entire plan. They tell them 50% of the plan. Now we've got five times five. We've got now in the second tier, the top tier is just the five people who know everything. Now in the second tier, we have 25 people who know 50% of the plan. And things just will continue to trickle down from there. Now, those 25 people get five people beneath them each, right? This is, I'm just using simple numbers so that it's easier to understand. But then, like, at the next level, you'd have 125 people who know 30% of the plan. Or 30% of what the original group of five know. And then you keep going down. And this makes it so you don't have to tell people too much and you can control people more easily. And then people can be doing things and you go, well, well, oh, so you're telling me that person, like you're telling me that doctor going on CNN all the time is really in on this grand master plan. And it's like, not really, he's not. He doesn't even know that he is. He's unaware of the fact that he's in on a plan because he only knows he's at like the fourth tier. So he only knows like 20%. And the people above him might not even know that they're in on this plan. But the five people at the top, they know what's going on. And it's probably more than five people at the top, but there is a group at the top 
And these are the, the ultimate elite ruling class. We don't even really know who these people are. We know who some of them are. Rockefellers, Rothschilds, right? But we don't know all of it. But anyway, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand you go, okay, it would be it's easier to control and manipulate these people and get them in on the plan without them fully knowing what they're participating in. But on the other hand, it increases the degree of incompetence or people making mistakes and accidentally ruining the plan because they don't even really know what the plan is. So their lack of total knowledge is good for the uh, power elites in some ways and bad for them in other ways. And so what they're doing here, and I'll give you an example. Um, this lady, Nikki Freed, I don't know who she is. I think she's running for governor in Florida or something. She's like a congresswoman or something in Florida. And she goes, Florida hospitals are being overwhelmed by COVID admissions. Probably not true, but she's saying it. Almost entirely unvaccinated individuals, including young and middle-aged Floridians. There's no way that's true. It's worse than the worst last year. Watch and share today's briefing. It's like an eight and a half minute video. I wasn't going to watch this lady lie to me for eight and a half minutes. But you see, now you've got Nikki Freed, who is obviously, she is involved in the agenda in some way, but she's low tier. I mean, she's like a congresswoman in Florida or something. She's like a state senator in Florida. Who knows? She's low tier. And now what she's doing is saying, um, it's worse than the worst last year. She's using these fear-mongering tactics. But then what is she doing? She's undermining the, um, where I found something else. Oh, yeah. So she's undermining the efficacy of the vaccines then because lots of people are getting vaccinated. And so saying that things are worse now than they were last year, she's accidentally undermining. Anyway, someone responded to it with the obvious thing that you know that that's not true when she says that. Because just like, I feel like that's just one thing that you, you hear a lie and you just know it's not true. You don't have evidence necessarily. Some woman, Christina Peshaw, responds and goes, this is a lie. The worst day for COVID hospitalizations was last year, July 22nd, 2020, before vaccines were available. Now, with most adults in Florida vaccinated, we aren't worse off than we were last year, unless Nikki Freed is saying vaccines don't work, which is irresponsible. Now, see, I'm someone who says that vaccines don't work. But amazingly, this lady, Christina Peshaw, who's pro-vaccine, we're now on the same side. Because this dumb woman, Nikki Freed, who's in on the agenda but is making a mistake, is inadvertently creating a merge between people who are pro-vaccine and people who are anti-vaccine. This is what they're doing because of their own incompetence. And so this is another encouraging sign about the um, implosion of the narrative and of the master plan, whatever it is. That you've got these people like Nikki Freed who, in their desire to spread more fear and in their desire to um, maintain their new degree of control over the population, they're actually inadvertently creating um, whatever coalitions between people who would ordinarily not agree at all. Because now you've got anti-vaxxers 
maintaining the same stance that they had, but you've got these pro-vaccine people who are going, what the fuck is good with this? And then the anti-vaccine people are looking at these vaccinated people and are going, good, dude, thank, welcome aboard. Like, you're making the vaccinated people anti-authority. You're making them go against the authority. And that's clearly not in their best interest of the ruling class. It's not in their best interest, the cathedral. It's not in their best interest to do that. And yet it's because in the compartmentalization and when you get down to the lower tiers, you open the door for incompetent people to make mistakes like such as this dumb lady, Nikki Freed, making a terrible mistake. And a lot of people are doing this. And in doing this, they're trying to maintain control, but they're undermining the vaccine. And they're saying, oh, the vaccine is not what we thought it was. And then you have all these pro-vaccine people saying, no, it is what we thought it was. We knew people could still get the virus. We knew people could still spread the virus, but we knew that less people would go to the hospital and less people would die. Now, whether or not I agree with that sentiment has become irrelevant because at the very least, I've got all these vaccinated people who are starting to come around and going, hey, maybe the CDC is full of shit. And I'm going, yes, we may believe that for entirely different reasons, but at least we're both in agreement on this basic issue. It's like I've said before, libertarians and people on the left and anarchists agree on lots of stuff. And the main thing that they agree on is that the state is illegitimate and the state is not representative of the people. And it's too powerful and these establishment politicians are only concerned with power and winning elections. And when you agree on all of that stuff, it's like, sure, some of them are Marxists and some of them are socialists and some of them are, um, I don't know, some of the libertarian wing is like, there was a big movement that, I don't know, I forget. No, that was actually conservatives, never mind. There's a porn star named Brandy Love and a bunch of conservatives got mad at her for calling herself a conservative because she's a porn star. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Are you still doing that? This is like, it sounded like it was 1990 that they were making a big fuss. She can't be a conservative. She's a porn star. You can't be conservative, be a porn star. It's like, dude, really? I mean, do we really have that? Like, do you really have time for that kind of thing? But I'm not a conservative, so I don't really give a shit if they're going to implode too over dumb things. But then it just seems like they're doing exactly what they accused the left of doing which is um, being Puritans. Anyway, there's a lot of agreement between different factions. When you highlight the uh, agreement and you force people together who would not ordinarily agree with each other, that's a dangerous thing to do if you're in the ruling class. I should be advising these people. I don't know why they won't invite me in. I know that I've said bad things about them, but I, I don't... I don't think that's fair. Here's a a different, uh, I want to read you, here's two different responses, right? Here's a good example of what goes on and the degree to which people's brains have shattered, much like Joe Biden's. Joe Biden is not the only person experiencing this. I mean, a lot of people I'm related to, I always talk about my family and they are establishment Democrats to the end. They will never give that up. They're establishment Democrats till they die. And um, they're very, very good slaves. I'm related to a lot of good slaves. I mean, some of them, some people in my family are not, 
but a lot of people in my family are very good slaves. And uh, I try to help, but they don't, they don't really listen to me. Here's two different responses to Nikki Freed. Remember what she said, Florida hospitals are being overwhelmed by COVID admissions and almost entirely unvaccinated individuals that we need to kill. Oh, I added that part including young and middle-aged Floridians. So you should be scared too. It's not just old people. You should be scared too. Yeah, I'm Nikki Freed. And if you're not afraid, it's because you're a racist bigot. I mean, a murderer. These people make me so mad. I don't know if you can tell. Here's two examples of responses. Let's read our, let's read our girl Christina's response again. Because it was very succinct. And... Um, it was a great response. And even though I don't agree with this woman, Christina, I felt that she handled it extremely well. And I'm very proud of her. And she said, this is a lie. The worst day for COVID hospital is, I know I read it already. I'm reading it again. It's because I want to show you a different response as well. Here's a good response to fear mongering. This is a lie. The worst day for COVID hospitalizations was last year, July 22nd, 2020, before vaccines were available. Now, with most adults in Florida vaccinated, we aren't worse off than we were last year, unless Nikki Fried is saying the vaccines don't work. Irresponsible. There is a very logical, succinct response that does not engage with the fear-mongering, and it is not an emotional response. It is a rational response. So good job, Christina. Now let's read a different response. I didn't get this person's name. But it doesn't really matter so much. They say the following. Where I live here in California, red flag, they have farmer's market. People gathered. When I, when I increased the volume, it's because she started writing in caps. Where I live here in California, they have farmer's market. People gathered, congested in the streets, not wearing their masks. It is so maddening, infuriating. These people are a danger. They are live weapons, deadlier than guns, infecting all ages by their deliberate defiance. That is really what this woman wrote. And I cannot believe that that's not a troll account. And I should have checked. Because now that I've read it out loud, it seems very clear that that must be a troll account. Somehow, if you're infected with a virus that has an over 99% survivability rate, probably like, if you, again, if you're under 50, it's like 99.9% .9 chance you're not going to die from it. That's more deadly than a gun. So if I shoot you in the head, then there's a 99.9% .9 chance that you won't die from it if you're under 50, apparently. Because the, these, so people gathered, congested in the streets, not wearing their masks. They are live weapons. They are deadlier than guns. That must be, I, I think I got got. I think I got got. Because that must be, there's no way that's not trolling, right? That has to be trolling. I think I got got. But I think there are people who would read that and, and like it unironically. Which is, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. Hey, let me read something from, uh, let me read something from Wages of Rebellion by Chris Hedges. 
I started reading this book again because it's such a good book. Someone tweeted the other day. Uh, you know what was funny? Someone tweeted the other day. Um, there's a lot of these people too on the on the right politically who are annoying. And someone tweets, um, name a few books that changed your life. And one of the responses, the person goes, the Bible. And then another person responded and said, this is the only right answer. And I, I responded to that person. I said, I'm not trying to hate on the Bible, but if the only book that ever changed your life is the Bible, then you've read really bad books. Like, I'm, I've never read the Bible. I'm sure it's a life-changing book. But if the only book that ever changed your life is the Bible, then you either never read any other books or you've made terrible choices. Anyway, it reminded me of this book. The tweet, which book has changed your life, reminded me of this book because I love this book. But lots of books changed my life. I mean, if you read a book and you learn things, isn't your life a little different now? And this book is called Wages of Rebellion by Chris Hedges. And Chris Hedges is perhaps my favorite nonfiction author. Very good. I'm reading The Biggest Secret too by David Icke, learning all about lizard people. I should teach you guys about lizard people, right? You want to hear about lizard people? I should have been highlighting things while I read, but I haven't been doing that. I got to really be better about that because I have things to tell you guys about. <clears throat> Recently, I read a book called um, Live from Death Row, Death Row by Abu Mumia Jamal, right? That's his name? Or Mu for short. Which I got directly from this book. And I forgot which Chris Hedges book I was recommended it by. Until I started reading this one again. And then I found it. And he's talking about... Um, okay, so I felt that this could... Um, I felt that this could... Apply to a lot of things. Now, Chris Hedges is interviewing him in this book, Wages of Rebellion, about his life in prison where Abu Mumia Jamal spent 30 years in solitary confinement on death row until it was commuted or whatever, and it was changed to just a life sentence for a murder of a police officer that he definitely did not do. But it's partially because he is a powerful leader and an intellectual and a black man and so therefore he is a threat to the ruling class and so they say throw him in jail and throw away the key so this is chris hedges asking questions to moo and moo responding and here's moo when i first got out in the yard he said and i heard groups of men talking about how sarah was going to marry jim or how frank had betrayed susan i thought Damn, all these cats know each other and their families. That's odd. But after a few minutes, I realized they were talking about soap operas. Television in prison is the great pacifier. They love basketball wives because it's TNA with women of color. They know how many cars Jay-Z has, but they don't know their own history. They don't understand how they got here. They don't know what is being done to them. I tell them they have to read and they say, man, I don't do books. And that is just how the empire wants it. You can't fight power if you don't understand it. And you can't understand it if you don't experience it and then dissect it. 
Abu Jamal's venom is reserved for liberal politicians such as Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, whom he excoriates for callously disempowering the poor and working class on behalf of their corporate patrons. And he has little time for those who support them. It was Clinton that made possible the, the explosion of pr the prison industrial complex, sorry, he said, speaking of the 1994 omnibus crime bill. Most of these people weren't, wouldn't be here if it weren't for Bill, Bill Clinton. I'm doing my best, guys. He and Barack Obama haven't done anything for poor people but locked them up. And if our first African-American president isn't going to halt the growth of the prison industrial complex, no president after him is going to do it. This prison system is here to stay. The poor and destitute feed it. It's the empire's solution to the economic crisis. Those who are powerless have no access to diminishing resources get locked away. Those who are powerless, who have no access to diminishing resources, get locked away. There we go. And the prison, the prison business is booming. It is one of the few growth industries left. It used to be that towns didn't want prisons. Now these poor rural communities beg for them. You look down the list of names of the guards and see, guards and see two or three of the same last names. This is because fathers, brothers, spouses work here together. These small towns don't have anything else. I probably didn't need to read the second part, but don't you just love that guy, Moo? Don't you love Moo? But that's what it is. So, I mean, look, it's like, you know, he talks about they're in prison and they're pacified by the television. That's not limited to prison. It seems that prison would be a good place to expand your mind, especially if you're there under false pretenses. Instead of, and it might make the time go by in a more bearable way. Because it's fun. Mindless, you know, you're going to watch soap operas all day. It's going to make the time drag on. And it, it's not a productive use of time. And at least you can feel good about yourself if you're reading and learning. And, uh, yeah, you can, that can apply to you if you're in prison or if you're not in prison. And most people don't read. We know that. Less and less people read. And most people won't even watch a video if it's longer than a TikTok, which we've discussed before. Most people won't read something if it's a paragraph. Most people won't read a paragraph. Most people are afraid of a paragraph. People are afraid of words, written words. People fear written words. They won't do that. They refuse to learn. We are about as dumb as a society can be. And then you see people saying things like, these people are a danger. They are live weapons, deadlier than guns, inflicting all ages by their deliberate defiance. And I know it's probably a troll, but there are people who believe that. And those people don't read. They watch, they're hypnotized, their alpha waves are engaged, and the hypnosis seeps in deep, deep, deep into their brain, and they become afraid, and then they become angry, and then they become violent. We're not at the violent part yet. The only justifiable violence at this point will be people being violent in response to, to the state and their continued farce. But I don't think we'll see that. Now, whether or not people will become violence against the unvaccinated remains to be seen. Will we be 
thrown into FEMA camps? I don't know. Will I have to do the hunger strike? I don't know. Find out on the next episode of Storytime with Dave, although probably not. By the way, thanks Rachel, my sister Rachel, for her donation. Listen to this. Rachel, who you guys know. You guys, you guys know Rachel, right? My sister. Sorry, I'm opening Venmo really quick. We got our third official donation from my sister, Rachel. Rachel donated $1, like an asshole. Rachel Namery paid you $1. This donation is specifically for the cause. Thanks, Rach. Thanks for supporting the cause with $1. Thank you. I don't disclose the amounts, but if you tip a dollar or less, I'm going to disclose the amount that you've contributed. So our latest donor, our third donation, is my sister giving me a dollar. Thanks, Rach, for the dollar. Please discuss infertility in Fagistan. Okay, Rach, men are cucks. The sperm rates are lower than they ever have been, but it doesn't even matter because they don't even want to have sex with their wives because they're gay, but they won't acknowledge it. They won't come to terms. They don't even have the courage. At least, you know, gay people have the courage to come out and acknowledge who they really are. It's these cucks who are far more weak. They are truly weak. They won't even acknowledge the fact that they don't want to have sex with their wife. That's why they need someone else to do it for them. And if it's a person assigned by the state, all the better, because then they don't have to do the work themselves, because they're lazy too. So the fertility rates plummet, not only because of, um, perhaps the vaccine will have an impact on that as well, but it's not only the lowering sperm rates and things of that nature, it's the fact that men don't even want to engage in intercourse with their wives. They'd rather someone else do it for them because they can't stay erect because they're probably gay. Or at the very least, they know just how weak they are and it makes them feel inferior and they get too much in their heads and then they're not able to uh, perform. Whatever the case may be, that is uh, something that's going on lower fertility rates. Now, Rachel, if you had contributed more than a dollar, perhaps you would have gotten a better answer. But if you're going to contribute a dollar, that's all you're going to get. Okay, so thanks for the dollar. I did say initially, if you're only going to tip me like a dollar, please just don't. But I guess whatever. Thanks for the dollar. Maybe I should be more grateful. Maybe I should change my policy and say that even if you only tip a dollar, it's better than nothing. But you know, also it's a little insulting because you're saying that I'm, I'm, my content is worth a dollar to you, you know, but how much will you pay for Netflix and how much will you pay for, um, to go watch, uh, government propaganda at the movies? I don't know, you know, $17 to go see a movie. You go do that. You go watch the Avengers. That's worth $17 to you, but you, you give me a dollar. I mean, let's just think about this. All right, look, I do appreciate it no matter what. Please consider making a donation to Storytime with Dave. It has been brought to my attention that you are not supposed to make donations 
on Venmo, that that's not allowed. However, I'm not sure how they could determine if it was a donation. And so what you could do, perhaps to avoid this, I'll make a PayPal, but not everyone has that. So let me figure something out. But in the meantime, continue to make donations if you are through Venmo, David-Namery. It'll be in the show notes. Continue to do that. And just put in the question that you have or the thing that you want me to talk about. If you don't want me to talk about anything, then just say the fucking thing is for Chinese food. Say it's for Chinese food, okay? Send me money and then say it's for Chinese food. So ask a question or say it's for Chinese food, but don't say donation to Storytime with Dave. Let's, let's, uh, let's not let Venmo win. And you know I've done battle with Venmo before. And if you want to hear the proof, you just go back and listen to the Yakuza Chronicles. I went to war with Venmo. Venmo suspended my account multiple times. Don't let Venmo win, okay? Chinese food. Contribute to Storytime with Dave under the guise of Chinese food. Thank you for listening. You know I love you. Until next time. Bye.